Till Death Do Us Part is a lighthearted and sometimes satirical true crime podcast where we present our dysfunctional married take on serious cases involving other dysfunctional relationships. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the 112th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I am Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Yes, you are. I think we should reintroduce ourselves to some new listeners that we have. Okay. Our shtick, our thing that we do. Our stick. On our podcast is I tell Daniel cases of love gone horrifically wrong, of marriages that end not in divorce, but in murder. Yeah. These are cases that he doesn't know, and I kind of just get his reaction. I don't know what she's going to tell me, and then whatever happens, happens, pretty much. And then sometimes I look up completely inaccurate facts (laughs) from the pocket (laughs) Google machine, usually. Yes, we gave Daniel his own little segment called Daniel Has Factoids. Yeah, and then I present that. And then he does some random facts, and then people get mad because they say they're not accurate. But you know what? The internet is not accurate. Don't blame him. It's more of a palate cleanser. That's our new favorite word, palate cleanser. Yeah, we got to cleanse the palate because eventually all is just murder and stuff. You need something random that doesn't have anything to do with anything in there. Yeah, something funny. Kind of interrupt that flow of data pouring into your brain (laughs) bucket. But as a couple and as storytellers, we are very sarcastic. We are very satirical. Sometimes the easiest way to deal with something horrible is to point out things that are just ridiculous, which unfortunately can be somewhat humorous. It can. And the whole point is to call out red flags so that maybe you as a listener will take that into consideration. And if you see something, do something. Yeah. Or just run away. Or learn how you can be more successful at murdering your spouse. I've learned a lot. That's what I've, I feel like that's what we've actually delivered, which is actually kind of disturbing. That's what we've accomplished, is teaching you how to kill your spouse. Better. Ugh, gross. Don't do it. Divorce is always the better option. Maybe we should have renamed our show, How to Get Away With It. (laughs) My husband did it. That was, that was one of our, (sighs) that was one of our names at one point. It isn't always the husband. It's not always the husband. Most of the time it is, but sometimes it's not. You know why we only do a lot of cases from the husband? It's because guys aren't as good at it and women get away with it more. That's true. So. We also have a Patreon where if you like us enough, you can head over there and help support the show. Yep. Get in your little car. And just head on over. <laughs> no, you the, do it on the exit, your computer. On your computer box. <laughs> or however you do it. And we have lots of new episodes over there that haven't been released to the general public. And we have four spinoff shows. And we really have fun in our little community over there. Yeah. So In our virtual world. Yeah. So if you're interested in more of us, that would be amazing. Yes. Thank you ahead of time. Gracias. I don't, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> do you do? No. <laughs> Spanglish. Speaking of Patreon, why don't we just do Patreon shoutouts at the beginning? Yes. Okay. 
I wrote it down for you right there. We really appreciate those of you helping us out in this humble podcast. And we'd really love to shout out Brooke K. Thank you, Brooke. Patricia H. Thank you, Patricia. And Laura L. Thank you guys so much for your patronage. I guess that's the right thing to say, right? I think so. Patreon, I'm assuming what that means. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It helps immensely. It does. It gives this girl sitting in front of me drive because <laughs> she knows you really appreciate her. I'm just along for the ride. I appreciate it too, but you're really helping her out. So that's awesome. Well, thank you. Daniel, you got some factoids for me? It is New Year's Eve Eve. Oh, it is. It is. And everyone is out there right now furiously writing down all of their New Year's resolutions, right? No. Nope. They want you to. I don't know who they are, but... The black helicopters that are watching you. (laughs) According to History.com, I am prefacing again... This is from the Google box. This is not crap he's making up. Nope. It has that little history, you know, the, I don't know what they are. Anyway, like history channel. Yeah, the little H. The H. Thank you. Uh According to history.com, ancient Babylonians are said to have been the first people to make New Year's resolutions approximately 4,000 years ago, but it wasn't January 1st. They actually did it in mid-March when... Crops were first planted. So that's really kind of the beginning of their year because really your life revolved around, oh, God, I hope we get some food, (laughs) which, you know, makes sense. I hope our crops survive the winter. It wasn't till Julius Caesar Salad tinkered with the... No, that's not his name. (laughs) Julius Caesar tinkered with the calendar and established that January 1st would be the beginning of the new year. In Circus 46 BC, I know, it's Circa. Calm down. It's just funny when people say circus. (sighs) Can't do nothing. Can't do nothing right. Circa 46 BC. I didn't know this. I'm kind of dumb. January is actually named for Janus. (laughs) I haven't even started yet. Janus? Or Janus. I don't know how it's pronounced. The two-faced god whose spirit inhabited doorways and arches in ancient Rome. Oh, it's a dude? It's not a girl's name? Oh, God. I don't know. (laughs) I'm thinking of Janus. (laughs) I don't... Okay, J All the Janices I know are like Karens. Okay, hold on. that's just making me laugh. (laughs) I'm going to fix it for you. Okay. It's (laughs) J-Anus. How do you spell anus? <laughs> I don't remember. A-N-U-S. Uh, oh, Lord. January was significant to the Romans, believing that Janus, <laughs> J-anus, symbolically looked backwards into the previous year and ahead into the future. The Romans offered sacrifices to the deity and made promises of good conduct for the coming year. Okay. So that's why he's like, wait a minute, January's from Janus. J anus, and they look backwards and f- whatever. It doesn't matter. I get it. I get what you're going with. You get what I'm. You feel what I'm smoking. Yeah. 
1740, the English clergyman John Wesley, founder of Methodism, which is one method, (laughs) created the covenant renewal service. This is actually kind of interesting. Most commonly held on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, also known as watch night services. Have you ever heard of that before? No. Now popular within evangelical Protestant churches, especially African-American denominations and congregations. Watch night services held on New Year's Eve are often spent praying and making resolutions for the coming year. Oh. So that's a thing. That's what they're called. And that originated from English clergyman John Wesley. I like that. So this is fun. Recent research shows as many as 45% of Americans say... They make resolutions, but only 8% are successful. <laughs> but only 8% are successful in their goal setting. If you do the math, that's only 3.5% of people because it's 8% of 45%. That's not a lot of people. No. Have you ever kept a resolution? I'm trying to think if I followed up with it. I guess so. I, I mean, half-assed. I don't really ever which make is one resolutions. Cheek. <laughs> one cheek. All right, here we go. said they want to improve fitness. I'm working on my fitness. 38% say they want to improve finances. 36% say they want to improve their mental health. And 34% say they want to lose weight. And if you add those up, it's 156%. So somebody's lying. (laughs) You know what's not on there? What? Improving relationships or improving their marriage or... (laughs) Their relationship. If you improve your fitness, your finance, your mental health, and lose weight, you'll probably improve your marriage. Okay, but losing weight, wouldn't that be part of fitness? Yeah, so it's the same thing. No, I guess not. Some people want to be able to run a 5K by the end of the year. Okay, but you would kind of have to, that would go hand in hand and foot. Not hand really. Pocket. Not really. Oh. Well, it's anyway. not, if it's not about losing weight, it's about being able to run... Well, no one can get to 156%, so these are unattainable goals. They are unattainable. That's what I have concluded. Most resolutions are unattainable. Sorry. Okay, ready? For all of those of you that are now depressed (laughs) that you can't attain your goals, Quitter's Day is the second Friday in January. Oh. Which is dedicated to the restarting of those resolutions (laughs) you just made. (laughs) <laughs> While some love the tradition of setting a goal each January 1st, others argue it's a waste of time since most resolutions fail by mid-March. So, if you want to have a party, have a Quitter's Day party, we second do that. Friday in January. Let's do that. that no New be, Year's Eve parties. That would be hilarious. It's a Quitter's party and everybody show up. With all of your junk food and your alcohol. That is fabulous. And your fat pants and just go to town. And you can stereotype your quitting, whatever that might look like. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I'm almost done because everyone's already turning us off. (laughs) I don't, clearly I don't turn people on. I'm turning them off. All right, so here we go. I Googled. Wait a minute. It makes it sound like we have all these people who are reviewing you. Who are listening. Yeah. No, who are reviewing you and saying that they don't like you. That's not the truth. (laughs) Well, they think it. They think it. They don't write it down because we're Generation X and we don't write things down. So I Googled what resolution is the most common. 
That was in line with all this other crap I was Googling. You know what it came up with? No. 1920 by 1080, which is also known as 1080p, which is currently the standard screen resolution for modern computing and most popular resolution for gamers. <laughs> what? So your screen, like on your monitors and your TVs, yeah, you buy one and it says it's a 1080p. It's telling you how many pixels per square inch are on your screen. That's what Google came up with when I kept Googling what is the most common resolution. <laughs> <laughs> it was a computer. Then under that, it said, what's the most realistic resolution? 4K, <laughs> which is, for those of you that wanted to know, 3840 by 2160 pixels. So it had nothing to do with New Year's Absolutely resolutions. nothing to do with it, but it's on the same page as New Year's resolutions. Because I don't think many people do resolutions anymore because we've all failed so many times. That's kind of what I'm leading to because I kept trying to figure out if someone posted all over the internet, like, here's my resolution. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> wow. Okay. I got 156% resolution is what I got, meaning people said they wanted to do more than they could possibly do, wow. like losing weight and running and I don't know. If you were to pick a resolution for 2024, what would it be? Um, I would say finance is always a good one, meaning live within your means, try and make some sort of a plan that you can predictably see a result. I don't know. I guess stay healthy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking about taking up smoking. Um <laughs> I'm at a good drinking pace, so I really don't want to cut it back or increase it. It's just flatlined. So finance and probably start smoking is really what I'm at, where I'm at. I like one of those. All right. What about you? Oh, you! I was waiting to see if you were going to ask me. Well, I was trying to think if there's something else. I got nothing else. Okay, now lay it on us. What do you got? Okay, my resolution or what I want to accomplish for 2024 is I don't want to buy any more clothes. I do not want to consume clothes or shoes or anything like that anymore. I want to just wear what is in my closet because I find joy from buying clothes and getting dressed and I need to scale that back because yeah. it's it's gone way overboard. Yeah, I get, I mean, I honestly, I get a lot of joy from you getting undressed. <laughs> so oh, I can, sweet. I feel like I could really back you up on this. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a great goal. I, I'm behind you or in I, front of you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for Walmart and Amazon and Ross mm -hmm. because they're going to be losing a lot of money this year. So I'm going to stop getting all these notifications on my phone. From Amazon? For just purchase, 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 purchase. Hopefully that's the goal. Okay. Good goal. Thanks, honey. Well done. <laughs> Thanks for your factoids. You're welcome. Daniel. Melissa. Are you ready for my case? I'm ready. Hurry up. <laughs> okay. This is the case of Doug and Verena Childs. Cool. This is a tiny case. Not okay. a ton of information that I could find, but it was very interesting, so I just went with it. Doug and Mar Marina? Verena. Verena, okay. Mm -hmm. 
On Sunday, November 22nd, 2009, just as the sun began to rise over a dense wooded area in Starkville, Mississippi, a single gunshot was heard by avid hunter Dean Parker, which was not an unusual occurrence since today was opening day of deer season in Octibaha County. And that is how you say it because I've looked it up 50 times. Cool. Octibaha. Octibaha. Sure. Not occipital. No. Okay. Octibaha County, which is kind of northwest Mississippi. So we're looking at kind of the dense kind of wooded area, forest, not forest, but wooded area of Mississippi. And Starkville is home of MSU, which is where we are trying to get our kids to go to college. It's a popular college. It really is. Or university, actually. It's not a college. Well, yeah. I don't know what the difference is. Mississippi State University. Is that where your mom went? No. She went to Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. which is Which we can't afford. Different. So the next best thing would be <laughs> would be MSU. <laughs> it's crazy that there's really, really good universities in, like Mississippi is the poorest state in the United States. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Unless something's changed, but in the past it has been, as a state as a whole. Well, for those of you that know us, our goal is eventually to get out of California, and we would like to end up in the beachy areas of Mississippi. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And yeah, there might be a hurricane once in a while. But you get out when they tell you to get out. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on where you live, too. And it's only an hour from New Orleans. Boom. Mm -hmm. All right, enough about this. Let's get back to Verena and Doug. Yeah, we can't stand all the crime in California, so we want to move near New Orleans. (laughs) Uh That makes sense. (laughs) Oh, New Orleans, we love you. All right, well, so we're in Octibaha County. Mm -hmm. What did seem out of the ordinary for Dean Parker was the holler that followed after that gunshot sound. Because someone had shouted out, oh, my God, coming from a clearing a few hundred yards away from where Dean was stationed on his four-wheeler. Dean phoned a fellow hunter at the members-only hunting club called the Double Sign Board and told him what he had just heard. A few of the other deer hunters went out to the clearing where Dean said he had heard that shot. Soon the men saw what looked like someone lying on their back at the edge of the tree line off of Hawkins Road. I have a question. Yeah. Does everyone get a members-only jacket if you belong there? I think so, and it's camouflage. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) I guess it wasn't cheap, or it isn't cheap to be part of this double signboard hunting club. Is that That's the whole thing. That's the name? Yeah, the double, double sign, sign. I'm picturing double like Double sign board hunting club. Okay. Must have two signs. Like there's a board and it has two signs on it on both sides. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Let's call it the double sign board. Why would you call it that? <laughs> oh, because there's a board and there's a sign on each side. We'll call it double sign board. Or it might be because Perfect. they're like, okay, take a left at the double sign. That's where the hunting area is. And then they made a club and they were like, let's just call it the double sign club. Okay. Or the double sign board club. Sure. As the men moved closer to the figure, 
they immediately recognized the man as a fellow hunter and member of the Double Signboard Hunting Club. It was 32-year-old Doug Childs. He was lying on his back, wearing head-to-toe camouflage. His glasses were pulled up on his forehead. His eyes were open, and his rifle was lying to his side. One of the hunters bent down to feel for a pulse, but there wasn't one. Doug was already turning blue and was cold to the touch. Boys, he's dead, said the hunter. How do they know? Because he checked for a pulse. So? Bring him back to life. Well, he was already cold, but it was early morning in November, so he probably was cold anyways. That's true. But no, they knew he was gone. Okay. But on further inspection, the men did not see a visible wound or any blood coming from Doug. Oh, okay. I'm assuming they just, he just got shot. I think it was a good 15 to 20 minutes in between that phone call to when the men actually found him. Okay. Maybe he hadn't been shot because there was no blood. Maybe this was a medical issue because Doug was a big guy. He was over six feet and 280 pounds. So could this have been a heart attack? I don't know. They make really good food down there. So I would probably have a heart attack if we moved there. Oh, yeah. My mouth is watering just thinking about it. Me having a heart attack? Well, yeah, that too. (laughs) Yeah. No, I get it. Fine. (laughs) The sheriff's department was called. One of the hunters who had found Doug called his wife and told her what had happened telling her that she needed to drive over to Doug's home up the road and inform his wife, 37-year-old Verena Childs, of the death of her husband. The home of Doug and Verena was only a mile from the clearing, from where they found Doug. So within minutes, Verena was on the scene, and when she saw Doug, she cried out, Get my baby off the ground! Yeah, where would you put him? Get him off the ground where? Put him in a vehicle? She was just oh, saying okay. whatever came to mind first. Gotcha. Get him off the ground. Yeah. Okay. And she became overwhelmed with emotion. I bet. Police arrived soon after Verena and quickly took control of the area. And once secured, Doug was rolled over onto his stomach. And on the left side of his back was a large gunshot wound. Okay. So he was kind of covering up the situation. Right. Okay. Doug had been shot, but there was no exit wound. Verena was shaken up by the state of her husband, and she was driven home by an officer to be interviewed. So they were going to interview her in the comfort of her own home. Okay. At the scene, Doug's fellow hunters were interviewed. Could this have been a case of mistaken identity? An accidental hunting fatality? Someone shot Doug believing he was a deer. This happens. Sure. And this area, I believe it said it was 20,000 acres of wooded area, and the hunting club was able to hunt in this area. Okay. So it's 20,000 acres of nothing. Nothing. Woods and such. And someone goes, oh my gosh, there's a camouflage deer. Pow. No. 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 Doesn't really happen, especially if you're wearing your orange vest, which you're supposed to be wearing. Which is funny because it kind of counteracts the camouflage outfit you're wearing, but, you know, it's That's fine. true. 
But in the photos that I saw of Doug's body, he was not wearing the vest. It was off to his side, but I think they had taken the vest off to see where the wound was. Makes sense. Yeah. I can't help but picture in my head when you're telling me this, the scene from that episode from Parks and Recreation (laughs) with Ron Swanson (laughs) taking Amy Poehler. I can't, Ron Swanson's the character, but, and they go out hunting and they're wearing camo with orange vests. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah. And then the guy, what's yeah. his name? The comedian guy. He accidentally shoots Ron Swanson. <laughs> Aziz Ansari. And Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's hilarious. And shoots him in like in the butt or something with a shotgun. No, in the back of the head. No, no, you're right. In the back of the yeah, head. And he's oh, missing my gosh. hair, remember? <laughs> with a buckshot. <sighs> oh, that's a great show. Anyway, I digress. You. Okay, so none of the members came forward admitting that it had been them who had shot Doug. Dean was interviewed at the scene, so Dean's the one that heard the shot, and he told the investigators that around 7 a.m., he heard the gunshot and someone shout, oh my God. He assumed that somebody had made a shot and then possibly fell out of a deer stand. That's what he was thinking. Oh, okay. But on the far side of the clearing, Dean saw someone walking away from the area of where he had heard the shot. And that's where the victim was. That's where the victim was, but he didn't see a victim. He just saw a person walking out of the clearing from where he had heard the shot. But the, the shot he heard and the shout following the shot was all in that close area where the victim was found lying right. dead. And where he saw somebody walk out Gotcha. From. Okay. He could not tell if this was a male or female. He did not see this person holding a gun, but they did have a long ponytail going down the center of their back and were wearing the very distinctive tan-colored Carhartt jacket. So not camo. Not camo. So they weren't dressed in like hunting gear. Well, you can wear the Carhartt jacket as hunting gear because it's that tan color. That's true. But it's very distinctive. Right. Another witness said that earlier that morning, he had been driving down a dirt road not far from the clearing and saw Doug's truck pulled over on the shoulder. He stopped to talk to Doug and saw Verena get out of the truck and walk over. Both she and Doug were carrying rifles about to head into the woods. Verena was also an accomplished hunter. She was a really good shot. Nice. She and Doug had both been members of the hunting club since 2006, and some even said that she was a better shot than Doug. The fellow hunter said that the last thing he had said to Doug and Verena was, y'all kill a big one. And the couple disappeared into the thicket together. But remember, the guy's wife had driven to the home and Verena was at home. Oh, so they entered the woods together. And then then he's dead and she's at home. home. Mm -hmm. Interesting, right? That doesn't make sense at all. Once back home, the officer began to interview Verena about her whereabouts that Sunday morning. She did admit to being in the woods with Doug less than two hours before. They were both excited about the first day of deer season. And as soon as they went into the trees, the couple separated. One went north and one went south. 
But soon Verena's stomach began to hurt and she needed to use the facilities at home, which that happens to me every time I'm in a Ross or a TJ Maxx. So I understand the feeling. It's like our equivalent of going hunting together, but in California. (laughs) You mean Ross and TJ Maxx? Yes, that's what Californians do when they go hunting. Absolutely. And then my stomach always hurts and I have to go to the bathroom. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's similar. It's very similar. We can relate. Nope. Verena texted Doug that she was heading back to the truck to rush home, and he never responded. Once home, she did her business and then decided that she wasn't going to go back out. She texted Doug once more, but he never texted her back. Verena took off her hunting gear and left it on a pile on the floor and then took a shower. She must have... Oh, because of diarrhea in her pants. It was a big business. Yeah, I understand, unfortunately. Sure. Since Thanksgiving was that week, Verena started preparing for the holiday. Oh, yeah. You can never start too early. Oh, yeah. You got to start that turkey. The officer began photographing the home, and he took a photo of Verena's hunting attire on the floor and a photograph of Verena's 3030 Marlin rifle lying at the foot of the bed. Okay. But by that afternoon, crime scene investigators believed that Doug's death was not an accident, that he had been murdered, and they believed they knew by who. Mm -hmm. It was like fast. Steve did it. These guys were on it. Or ladies. Or ladies. Can't just say guys. Stevie. The only person who had been with Doug that morning was his wife of over 14 years, Verena. It just made sense to kind of look into Verena. lean that direction. Verena had moved to Starkville, Mississippi from Tennessee in 1997 when she was just 23 or 24 years old. And she relocated with her husband of five years and two small boys. So she had been married very young. The marriage did not survive the move. And soon Verena found herself divorced and a single mom. Soon after arriving in Starkville, she had befriended a nice older woman named Tina Clark, who took the struggling mother of two into her home, where Verena met 18-year-old Doug Childs, Tina's stepson, who just happened to be living in the home, too. Oh, okay. So convenient. It's convenience. But he's just a kid. He is. He's a baby. He's 18. God. Doug was five years younger than Verena. Mm-hmm. But she's experienced. You can call it that. But she has two kids. Well, where's the hu- the ex-husband? He left. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Does he, he still has partial custody? I don't think so. I think he just took off. He's just like, I'm out. I really couldn't find any information on the ex-husband. Okay. I'd like to say he stayed around and helped, but it doesn't sound like it. Gotcha. The two hit it off immediately and were soon sneaking off to a vacant camper on the property to mess around. Oh, that's romantic. In secret. Nothing like a camper on a property in Mississippi. (laughs) There's probably so much mold in that camper. (laughs) Oh, there's got to be just, it's got to be awful. After a few months, Doug and Verena came clean about their relationship. Doug's family was not happy, especially not Tina who forbade them to continue seeing each other and kicked Verena out of the home. Well, that clearly is going to make a difference. Doug told Tina 
that Verena either stayed or he was leaving too. Well, he sh- if he's man enough, mature enough to do that, then he should be on his own. Well, Tina refused and the couple left and they ran off and got married in the process. Good. All right. Well, he's 18, 19 years old. Go for it, dude. Now, to outsiders, the couple didn't make sense. Doug and Verena were considered an odd match. Not only had Doug never really dated before, he was marrying someone five years older than him who was divorced and had two small boys. But also, Doug was a devout Southern Christian, a good old boy, sweet and kind, God-fearing man from the South. And Verena was a little different. She did not believe in God. She believed in something different. Verena liked to dabble in tarot card readings, telling people their future, casting spells, and loved to walk around graveyards and chat with the dead. You know, that's, I can tell you're a little uncomfortable. That's that. No, I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't get married to her. Um, whatever trips or trigger, I guess. I mean, that seems fine. It's, it seems like things will go really smoothly within that household. No, it seems like there's... Okay, here's my here's my biggest thing I can't... I keep thinking about. She was destitute. Tina took her in along with her two kids, which means she can't do well on her own. How is an 18-year-old added to that mix and then those two being out on their own going to be better? Hmm... He's okay. 18. There's not. Yeah, he's 18. I'm, I mean, maybe he had a job, but that doesn't mean he's he can support a wife and two kids and then be out on their own. Well, they made it work. Okay. All right. <laughs> what do I know? So what kept the couple together is what is the question that was being asked. Well, adult aerobics. I was going to say, I'm assuming their, they, they took the trailer off the property, their, their love nest trailer. And their combined love of hunting and fishing. Okay. Yeah. Sure. After the couple were married, Doug took a job delivering propane all over town with the local gas company. That's a good job. Yeah, he had a decent job. And Verena worked on and off, but mainly stayed home and raised their two boys. Her two boys. Well, her two boys. But Doug stepped into the father figure role for Verena's two boys immediately. And Doug loved them as if they were his own. Cool. That's what everyone said. Good for him. Is he just, he stepped in and he was dad. He worked hard to provide for all of them. But like every marriage, the childs had their ups and downs throughout the years, especially as the boys got older. As the eldest son grew up, he and Doug had a strange relationship when the son came out of the closet and told the family that he was gay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doug had a really hard time with that. While Verena was very accepting of this new lifestyle for her son, Doug did not agree. And so there was a lot of friction, and Doug would become upset when the son had male friends over at the house. Gotcha. Like male friends, not friends. It just said male friends, but even if it's just once you have a friend. Yeah, once he knows that in the back of his mind, he's like, Automatically, he's already upset. Well, he's always going to put them together. You know what I mean? Yeah, he'll put them in that box. This put a strain on Doug and Verena's marriage. They even separated for a while, but eventually got back together and tried to make it work. 
But when investigators started talking to Doug's friends and family, it seemed as though Doug was done with the marriage and had asked Verena for a divorce recently. Hmm. And coming from Doug, the two of them were separating amicably, cutting their losses and moving on. This was coming from people who were close to Doug. Yeah. They were, he was saying, we're going to split up for real this time, but we're all good. This is amicable. And we're just going to go forward. Okay. Separate. Sure. Verena's camouflage hunting clothes and gear were collected for analysis, along with her rifle. Now, Verena told the investigators that she did not fire her rifle that day, nor had she fired that gun in the last three weeks. Verena did tell investigators that she had nothing to do with the death of her husband, Doug. She doesn't know what happened. Hmm. All she knows is she left him out there and went home and he never texted her back. And then someone was at her door telling her she needed to come. Doug was hurt. Doug's autopsy was performed the very next day. A 30 caliber rifle slug was found lodged in Doug's chest. The bullet did not pass through Doug's body, which was surprising. But he was a big guy and they believe that that bullet was fired from really far away. Yeah, that's quite possible. So bones, it didn't... Bones will deflect and it'll bounce around inside you. And it was shot from such a long distance. Mm -hmm. It didn't have as much speed when it finally hit him. Gotcha. Okay. So it didn't go through. He did have a very small bruise that would have been the exit wound had he been shot closer. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. Because I just assumed it was in and out when yeah, you're dealing but, with a rifle and you're dealing with a 30 caliber, but 30 caliber's not that huge, right? Yeah, no, of it depends. It's not, it's the velocity of the bullet, not necessarily the size of the bullet that matters because a hunting rifle doesn't have to be very big. The bullet doesn't have to be big, but there is a whole lot of power behind it so that you can shoot from a long distance and so that it's accurate at a long distance. Whereas like a handgun bullet is very powerful within 100, 200 feet. After that, nothing. Dies right. off. So they're thinking whoever shot him was a really good shot and oh, yeah. was really far away for that bullet to not have enough power to go through his body. Well, typically when your people are deer hunting, you, you're not expecting to shoot the deer through the deer. Usually you're trying to hit like the chest so that the deer doesn't suffer. Because if the deer runs with adrenaline after it's been hit, the meat is almost ruined. Because oh, the right. adrenaline instantly causes all of the tissues to get stiff. By the time that thing finally dies, the meat's ruined. I've heard that before. Yeah, it's actually fascinating. So they say... You do not want to take a shot unless you know for a fact you're going to take that thing down and it's going to drop right there. I think I've seen that on like Alaska Bushmen or Life Below Zero. Yeah. Or once they start running, say they hear you, you don't want to try and shoot at it because now it's already in the fight or flight mode. So if you shot it while it's running from you or something like that and you're able to hit it, it's garbage. You want it nice and relaxed. Yep. Yep. And then it just go down very easily you and want, not know what happened. You want the Bambi in the meadow. Oh, gosh. So now you're disturbed. Oh, <laughs> now I want to cry because you mentioned Bambi. No, I'm just saying. So, yeah. Just anyway, teasing. the point of all that is 
you want to really be a good shot, but it's not usually going to go through the deer because they're tough. I mean, they're hard to shoot. Only two days later, on November 25th, the ballistics comparison done on the bullet found in Doug's body and a bullet shot from Verena's rifle were a perfect match. The rifling on a gun is unique, like a fingerprint. So when a gun is shot, it leaves grooves on the casing of the bullet. Yep. So the bullet that killed Doug was shot from Verena's rifle. But what was the motive? Right? Because the marriage is over. I don't know. Maybe she wanted to keep everything. All of that wealth they created. Were they rich? No, I don't believe so. $10 million life insurance policy? No. No? Mm-mm. No. Well, then I don't know why. That same day, an arrest warrant was issued for Verena, and she was taken into custody for the murder of Doug. On August 1st, 2011, 39-year-old Verena's trial began. The evidence boiled down to the ballistics. The bullet found in Doug matched the bullet shot from Verena's gun. That was it. That was all the evidence they needed, right? Well, how can you prove she's the one that shot the rifle? Well, that's just it. They know that it was from Verena's rifle, but was she the person Uh holding the gun when it was shot? So what was the motive is what they kept asking. Mm -hmm. They were going to split up amicably. They were just going to cut their losses and go. But Doug's sister got up on the stand for the state, and she had started selling life insurance policies in 2009. There it is. Both Doug and Verena had bought policies on one another, which were worth $250,000 each. Okay. Now, Verena had let the policy on her lapse, but they continued paying on the policy for Doug. If it was proven that Doug had died in a hunting accident, Verena would have received $500,000 because it was an accident. So she had an accidental death or dismemberment clause type policy. Right. I have one of those. On me? On me. Oh. And and you. Oh. On top of other stuff too. <laughs> no, it it because let's say I lose a leg. Mm-hmm. I'm not dead. So then that policy will pay out because it's a accidental death or dismemberment. Oh, okay. So it doesn't mean. That- it means I can no longer do my job oh, because my see- job would require me to walk. Whenever it says accident or dismemberment, mm-hmm. I always think if you got your limbs cut off while you were dead. Yeah, if I died. But no, but you can still be alive. Correct. And have something dismembered and you would still get that payout. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you don't have to be dead and dismembered to get that payout. No. And then. I'm dumb. And then you could also, I could do a whole show on this. And then (laughs) if you are found to be more than, I forget what the percentages are, disabled, your social security disability will kick in for the rest of your time. If you're under. Social Security age eligible. So you could really make out well on one and a half legs is my point. Or I could. Okay. Well, don't do it. If I get killed in a car accident, that's an accident. accident, And I died. So I get both policies. If I died from cancer, the regular policy will pay out, but not the accidental death or dismemberment. Because it wasn't an accident. It was an illness. 
unless you were killed in a car accident while you had cancer. If I was on my way to go to the doctor and I'm dying of cancer and I was killed, then both would pay out. Okay. Let's remember that. You're welcome. <laughs> you could do I'm, a whole show I'm worth that. more dead than alive, but it depends on how yeah, I die. Yeah, you are. But you have to get it to trigger both policies. Well, I like you, so For now, nothing's going to happen yeah, now. Yeah, because now I'm still young and sexy, but wait till I'm like old and <laughs> nothing works. But that's the motive, right? That is- There's I, the motive. $500,000 yeah. Yeah, that's, that's is a motive. Yeah. But the defense came back swinging. The hunter Dean, who heard the shot that morning, was called to the stand. He told the jury exactly what he had seen that morning. A person walking away from where the gunshot sound had come from with a long ponytail and a tan Carhartt jacket. The defense brought it home that neither Verena or Doug owned a tan Carhartt jacket. The only hunting gear found was camouflage print. Couldn't she have tossed the jacket? Okay. Couldn't you? I, but this was reasonable no, doubt, right? Because it. they're trying to poke holes in the state's case. Sure. The pile of clothing that they found that Verena said she was wearing that day was did, all camouflage. Did not include a tan Carhartt there jacket. There was no okay. tan Carhartt jacket from what they collected. And then the defense is saying they never had one. But even if she owned one, I'm sure out there... Every other person and their brother has a tan Carhartt jacket. Oh, I'm because sure. Because they're awesome jackets. Yeah. I now want one. Not a tan one, because I don't want to be associated with this case. But you know what I mean. <laughs> but they're trying to establish reasonable doubt. Can I say something else? Yeah. Okay. It must be a woman, in my opinion, because no man should be allowed in today's <laughs> society to have a ponytail. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I don't, that. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care who you are. What you look like, if you have a ponytail, you need to rearrange that because that's Stop. not appropriate. So only, There's a lot of men that have ponytails I think chicks, hunt. I've told you this before, I think chicks with cool baseball caps that fit right with a long ponytail out through the hole is sexy. <laughs> so you got to have one of those ones with the thing with the, the strap or what's it called? Not You can't have a fitted one because then the ponytail doesn't work. Okay, 11 listeners, do you know what I never wear? That my hair in a ponytail with a baseball. Yeah, because cap. <laughs> you're so focused on your hair. You're like, I can't put a hat on my hair. It would ruin it. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. Anyway. So yeah, dudes, no ponytails. Get rid of it. Cut it off. Three people would agree with me. Probably. Because three out of we the only 11. have three male listeners that <laughs> don't have ponytails. <laughs> okay. It's not funny. This is dead serious. But don't have a ponytail. <laughs> the defense began alluding to the strained relationship between Doug and his 17-year-old stepson at that time. Could he have gotten a hold of his mom's gun, shot Doug while his mom was at home, and put the gun back on the bed where he had found it? All without Verena knowing that he was there. The gun was only tested for ballistics. It was never fingerprinted. And so they're saying the son's fingerprints could have been on that gun, but the investigators dropped the ball and never tested that gun for fingerprints because they thought all they were going to find were Verena's prints on that gun. Hmm. But to me, what a crappy mom. Like she's trying to throw her young son under the bus, making the jury 
possibly think that he's the one that killed his stepdad. You mean the defense is presenting that as a possibility? Yes, but it had to have come from her. She had to have agreed to it. Like, yeah, make them think it's my son. She should have taken the rap for it, even if she thought he did do it. She wasn't about to do that. Dang. I know. Or she just, she knows that that wouldn't hold up. So she's throwing that out there just to kind of. Yeah, but that's going to be a new stigma on him. People are going to now think that he was associated with the death of his stepdad. Or it's a possibility. Or it's a possibility. Even if they can't prove it, now everyone's going to wonder. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of jacked up. And besides, okay, so what would be his motive for killing the stepdad? That he's. Mad at the stepdad because they're not getting along at that time. So what? Because his his stepdad's not, you know. He's 17. He's going to be 18. He can be out of the house, do whatever he wants. True. But I think Doug was such a father figure to those boys that it was really hard for that son not to get support from his dad. But if he kills him, he really won't get support. Exactly. So. Yeah, I reject that theory from this defense. But something wild happened at the trial. Oh. This is what drew me to this case. During cross-examination, one of the prosecutors was staring at the photo taken of the rifle laying on the bed, laying at the foot of the bed. In the upper left-hand corner, he noticed something. The sleeve of a tan Carhartt jacket with the familiar rectangle label with the word Carhartt printed on it. It was the jacket. It was the tan jacket. So it was in the room, not in the pile. Not in the pile. It was on the bed. And it just happened to barely be photographed in the photograph of the rifle laying on the bed. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I have a big butt coming. And the big butt is, all that's nice, but who can prove that the witness absolutely saw a tan Carhartt jacket. I, how in the world can, unless there was like a perfect picture of the person walking away, how can you prove that's the jacket that was on the person you saw in just a glimpse of time? But it wasn't just a glimpse. He watched this person walk away. Okay. And he swore that it was a tan Carhartt jacket. He said it was recognizable like there's no way you would doubt what this jacket looked like okay he was very adamant about this oh no i believe him i'm just yeah, saying like can you still use that as evidence yeah it's eyewitness account okay if nothing else it builds that story right okay all right i'll stop go ahead but the jacket had never been found in the house because she had gotten rid of it after the officer left, oh. but he had unknowingly taken a photograph of it. So now there's proof that it was in the house and now she's clearly gotten rid of it. Right. Because it was nowhere in that house. Okay. So that's almost worse because now she said, oh, no, I don't have one. We never owned one. Like, yeah, because I got it here in the picture. So what'd you do with it? Yeah. So they're saying Verena could have been wearing the jacket that morning when she shot Doug. And that's it- what she was wearing. And there is actually a way you could prove it is there should be gunpowder residue on the Carhartt jacket if she fired that thirty thirty while wearing that jacket. Yes, but they couldn't find the jacket. She'd yeah. gotten rid of it. But then you could also make the defense of, of course, they, there's going to be they gun- hunt in it. They yeah. hunt no, in I get it. it. Yeah, it's a re- it's her regular jacket that she wears. Yeah. 
But remember the guy who saw the couple on the side of the road and talked to them for a second? Mm-hmm. He couldn't remember what she was wearing. Okay. He never said that he saw her in a tan Carhartt jacket. But if he had, and he had been witness to that and known what she had been wearing, then that would have blown the case up too. Yeah, that would have helped. Yeah, but he couldn't remember what she was wearing at the time. She could have said, I'm not warm enough. And so she put it on. Oh, she'd maybe gone back to the truck to get the car. Or when they split up, you know, after they got to where they were going to get out, she's like, I'm going to wear an extra jacket and put that on. Although I would think he would tell her, like, don't do that because you need to make sure you have your orange vest on. Mm. And the witness didn't see an orange vest because that would have been the first thing your eyes see. Yeah, he never said anything about there being an orange vest over the Carhartt jacket. He just knew it was a tan Carhartt jacket. Because that's all his eyes saw was the jacket. Your eyes would register the first thing and that's what would stick. Okay. So clearly she purposely did not have on her hunting outfit because otherwise she would be visible. Which is so stupid because it was opening day of deer season. And to not to be wearing a tan Carhartt jacket with no orange vest on. It's risky because there's movement That's and you're the dangerous. color of a deer. Oh, man. Like that deer's on two legs. <laughs> Shoot it. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, that deer has a ponytail. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop with the ponytails. I'm going to grow one now just to show I'm not biased. But the defense said there was no proof that she had ever worn that jacket. I, I get it. They're just they're just throwing things out there. They're just trying to poke holes and everything. That maybe it was the 17-year-old son. Maybe he had snuck into the house, put on the Carhartt jacket, taken her gun, gone out and found Doug, N- shot him. Knew where they were. Right. Shot him and then came home without her knowing, nope. took off the jacket and put the gun back where he had found it. Nope. Not possible. There's not enough time. Unless he was in the truck with them, how would he know where they entered the 20,000 acre woods? Well, the home was only a mile away from where the clearing was, but still, it would take forever and Verena would know that her- There's no way. He'd be wandering around and then is he going to wear orange or is he wearing a Carhartt jacket? He'd be nuts to walk out into an open season. And I don't think he had a ponytail. Probably not. Unless he got one of those ponytail hats. Those are awesome. <laughs> I think I'm going to get one now. I'm going to order one. I'm sure there's one on Amazon. The defense also stated that the investigators purposely destroyed evidence that could have pointed to another shooter. That evidence I couldn't found, couldn't oh, find. Oh, okay. I don't know what evidence they're talking about. They just keep throwing stuff out there, seeing if it's going to stick, really. Verena refused to take the stand in her own defense and showed very little emotion during the entire four-day trial. They said she kind of just stared ahead and listened to everything. On August 4th, the jury found Verena guilty of the murder of Doug Childs after deliberating for only two hours. Oh, wow. So they weren't buying it. No. And good thing the bullet did not go straight through Doug's body because they might have never found it. Could you imagine looking for a bullet No, in a no. heavily wooded area nope. where people go deer hunting and all that stuff? How are you going to find a bullet that on the ground looks like a pebble? Yeah. 
I mean, the chances of finding that is very unlikely. Plus, it's going to have dirt on it once it hits the ground. And that was their only physical evidence, really, besides the photograph of the Carhartt jacket was the ballistics of that bullet. Yeah. No, you'd never find it. Plus, the the blood that attached to it would turn brown, which would make it look even less like a bullet Mm, on the ground. At Verena's sentencing trial, she was asked by the judge if she had anything she would like to say. She said no. All right. Nothing? Like, I didn't do it? Nothing. She just said no. I saw fire in the sky. (laughs) Nothing? Nothing. Where was that movie, The Fire in the Sky? Wasn't that out there somewhere? Um, wasn't oh, it supposed with to the take uh, place big like, UFO. That yeah, it wasn't like Alabama or, or somewhere. It was somewhere out there. Somewhere out there. Yeah, it was. I think the guys worked in a coal mine, and they were on their way home. That's right, uh-huh. in the woods and stuff. That was a great movie. All right, Vare- I digress again. <laughs> Verena Childs was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. She will be eligible for parole in 2037 at the ripe old age of 65. Oh, so she can get Medicare. She still has life ahead of her at 65. Yeah, Medicare. All right, fun fact. In February of 2018, Verena's conviction was overruled. What? Her attorney argued that Verena was entitled to a new trial because in her original trial, the instructions to the jury did not list Octibaha County as the venue in which the crime took place. (laughs) She gets a new trial because they forgot to say the county that they were, this is all in. That the jury did not hear in their instructions where it had taken place, where the killing had taken place. Wouldn't that help? Because then it's not, it's less biased. Because what if someone's like, oh, I know people from there and I don't like people from there. Oh, maybe. But they're saying that it was not a fair trial because the jury wasn't given because full Because they didn't know where it happened. Mm-hmm. But in May of 2020, the Court of Appeals reversed the judge's decision saying that Verena should have received permission from the Supreme Court to make the venue instruction claim. So they went the wrong route. They didn't go through the Supreme Court. They went through another avenue. It reversed the judge's decision. Okay, so they they agreed that she needed a new trial and then they reversed the agreement that she needed a new trial. It wasn't an they, agreement. It was oh, a judge. A judge. A judge said she deserves a new trial. But then they realized, no, you can't just go through that avenue. You have to go through the Supreme Court to get a new trial gotcha. when it comes to the venue instruction claim. So they should have appealed to the state Supreme Court. Yes. For a new trial on the basis that they forgot to say what county it was in. And then the Supreme Court of the state would decide whether or not that yes. was grounds for a new trial. Yes. So I believe they're still appealing. Her but they conviction. haven't gotten her a new trial yet. No. Okay. The law is a funny thing. It is. What do they say? The law is an ass. That's a line. It's a never mind. The law is an ass. A S S? Yeah. Oh. Like a jackass? I'm gonna read this is from Cambridge Dictionary. <laughs> It is an idiom, the law is an ass, A-S-S, meaning the legal system or a particular law is wrong or not good enough and should be changed. 
says, if that is against the law, then the law is an ass. Oh. There you go. I didn't make it up. It's a real thing. <laughs> so you said it's it's funny. And so that just popped in my head as most weird things do happen to me a lot. They do. And I said, the law is an ass. And that's where it comes from. I like it. You're welcome. So now people can say that. And then people look at you. You go, nope. It's Cambridge <laughs> Dictionary, ladies and gentlemans, with ponytails. <laughs> it is in a dictionary. So it's true. So there. And I heard it on Daniel and Melissa's show. <laughs> Daniel, what did you think of my case? I think we explored every option on it. I think so, too. It was a little case, but there were a lot of things that could have happened. The only reason, unfortunately, the only reason it didn't make more dramatic headlines is because it's a hunting case in Mississippi. It really is sad, but it's true. Because if it happened somewhere else, maybe it would draw more attention. Oh, yeah, maybe. Which is really the reality these days with society is... If there isn't a lot of money or TV attention, yeah, it's still the exact same crime that occurred. It's just not really known or heard about. It feels like, or it seems like, almost every day a spouse murders or attempts to murder another spouse or a relationship, somebody that they're in a relationship with. And it seems like it's only people who might be middle class to upper middle class or white or beautiful who get the attention that it deserves because everybody's story deserves to be told. And so every day, all of these crimes are popping up. And it's really interesting to me on which ones the media or even podcasts tend to focus on and kind of make a big deal about it. And these other ones just kind of get pushed to the side. And it's really sad and it's heartbreaking that if you're not rich, you're not beautiful, maybe you're not white, you don't get the attention that these other cases get. Well, think about the cases you've done that were extremely publicized. Yeah. So like the, what's her face? It was appeared dead. They couldn't prove it over on uh, Catalina Island. Oh, Robert, Natalie Robert Wood? And Robert Wagner. Yeah. The mechanics of that incident are nothing new. Stuff like that happens all the time. No one cares. But because it was the most publicized actor, actress type situation. They like were famous. Money, famous. Instantly, it's like OJ level. OJ Simpson level. Mm -hmm. Or look at the couple down in San Diego, the lawyer and the wife. The and Broderick's. The Broderick's. Mm -hmm. It's sensationalized. It is absolutely sensationalized. So what's the difference? There's no difference. It's still the same outcome. The same yeah. thing happened, basically. Well, look at all, all the murders that have taken place in 2023 where a spouse is killed or has possibly killed their spouse and they can't find the body. There's a lot of things that have happened over 2023 and there's only certain cases that are given any publicity yeah, or are even talked about. And I struggle with that because I want to do cases that are really interesting and have books attached to them and things like that. But I also want to draw attention to these other cases that nobody ever talks about. Yeah, that haven't had... 
endless published books and stories and yeah because those are the red flags that people need to see Mm -hmm. those are the relationships that we need to be talking about and like i always say everybody's story deserves to be told those people who have died deserve to have their story told because hopefully it will help somebody else in the future Mm -hmm. okay i'm on a soapbox and i need to get off of it but This case had very little information on it. I actually found it on Snapped, the show Snapped. Okay, so it did get some publicity. It did get a Snapped episode. Yeah. So I was, that's where it kind of caught my eye. And I was able to find articles about it, but not a lot of articles about the killing. It was more about her appeal. Oh. That's where I was finding my information. And then I did find her appeal records But it didn't really go into the crime scene or any of the background of their marriage or anything like that. I got what I could get, but I felt like Doug's story needed to be told, especially because there's a lot of people that go hunting. Things like this happen, unfortunately. And if they're really angry at you and they have a motive to kill you, they're going to do it and they're going to try to get away with it and they're going to think about it. And they're going to figure out the best way to do it. Here's a question either one of us brought up earlier that you just triggered. If they're not doing well together as a couple, why the hell would they go hunting together? That's a great question. Why would you go anywhere with a spouse you can't stand anymore? Especially with a weapon? With a weapon. And together in the same vehicle. That and living in the same home. That doesn't make any sense. Well, in their case, maybe they had no other option at that particular point, but... Well, Why would like you go was, hunting with her? But and, he was telling his family, this is amicable. We are going to remain friends. We are just kind of cutting our losses and splitting up. So in his mind, it wasn't as bad as she had already made it to right. be. Right. So in her mind, she's like, yeah, oh, yeah, let's go hunting together. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she's faking it. She's faking it until she makes surprise, it. Surprise, surprise. She's faking it. He's like, okay, let's go hunting. And then, pow. Ugh. Poor guy. Guys, learn learn your lesson. Never take your wives hunting. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Especially if you watch the episode from Parks and Recreation, you'll learn from Ron Swanson. No, it's don't why. take inexperienced people hunting with you. That's or, a lesson from Ron Swanson. Or people mad at you. He wasn't mad at him. He was inexperienced. <laughs> what? No, I'm adding. I'm oh, adding. Oh, okay. Or someone might be mad at you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, good Lord. Well, thank you all for listening. You know how much we appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank you for putting up with my Googled factoids. <laughs> and happy new year. Happy new year. And Set those goals. <laughs> Set, and don't follow through with them. Set unreasonable goals <laughs> so that you can be depressed that you didn't achieve them. And then yeah. join us on the second Friday of January to Quitter's Day. We're going to have a party. You can join us virtually. And that's it in your mind. And we hope that you all have a very happy 2024. And just know that on New Year's Eve, when you shoot those guns straight up in the air... Those bullets come back down. Oh, don't do that. They might kill you. Okay, well, be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. And divorce is always the better option. Do it. Bye. Bye. Bye.